Hello and welcome to a, another episode of the Sports Unite podcast. Uh, thank you for coming back. You know, the sun's shining, snow's pretty much gone. Well, depending on where you live, uh, you know, Kenzie, I, I don't think that happens till July, but uh, snow is mostly going away around Canada and the Northern Hemisphere. And that means we have the summer pastime sport of baseball. Yes, base, baseball is back off of the blacklist on this podcast, uh, along with the uh, country that shall not be named. Um, so uh, I, we might as well jump into it. Uh, we have some of your favorite guests returning. Uh, Charles, thanks so much for coming back. Always a pleasure to be with you on the round table, buddy. And, uh, uh, you know, by default, uh, he got invited, but uh, he won you over. Cole? Glad to be here. I'll take a win any day. And a returning favorite, Paul, coming back out of the woodworks. And uh, he's joining us back on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming back. Pleasure to be back. Thank you. So, yes, the sport of baseball was on our blacklist for a little while, not to be mentioned because of, well, it uh, just couldn't get its act together. And uh, a lot of us in the sports world, you know, end of February, you start to be like, oh, like we've made it to March and spring training is happening. Like we, we did it. We got through another winter. Pretty much the worst is over. Uh, however, for about 92 days, it looked like, uh, we would not have a season starting in April. And uh, a lot of us are still shocked that we've made it to opening day. Give us your thoughts. Uh, you know, when the lockout happened in December, what did you think was going to happen? How long did you think it was going to take? Uh, did you think the issues that they were, you know, bargaining between were, were worthy to be bargaining or was it just, you know, rich people arguing with even richer people. Well, I think it's actually all of the above right there, since uh, it is always rich people arguing against richer people, millionaires versus billionaires. And us, the fans are caught in the middle, like you were with, with any of the NHL lockouts, the three of them in the last 20, last 30 years. Uh, you know, we've had some, we had an NBA lockout a little bit there. Uh, every time there's the fans who always suffer the most. But some of the issues they were fighting for were actually legit. There was, you know, we we, we saw it a lot with uh, service time manipulation with Chris Bryant and a little bit with Vlad Guerrero Jr. of uh, my beloved Blue Jays uh, and several other big, big name stars. Uh, so service time manipulation was a big deal. Pay scale was a big deal. They're working, they're trying to work together on getting an international draft going. So there, there were some big issues there. Yes. Well, I think they could have gone about it. A, obviously, they could have gone about a much better way than what they did in going through a 99-day lockout. And almost, and at least for me, when, once the lockout started in De on December one, I was thinking Father's Day at the earliest, maybe even Canada Day for the baseball season to start. I'm quite surprised we got it now. Yeah, for myself, I was honestly really surprised it came that quickly. I did not think anywhere close to April, let alone this week coming up. Um, I also like one of the things they really kind of fought over was the minor league deals because a lot of players and teams were getting screwed over. Players could sit in the minors for 
for forever some players, uh, depending on if they were to ever get their chance, but get paid little to none, live off buses and dollar bills, but they finally kind of put into a play where um, they're going to start to really work on that. And some players are even donating money to their minor league teams, which is awesome to see because that's where it really, the program kind of starts up. Like you get the ground running with your younger kind of prospects. So that was really nice to see. Yeah, basically, uh, for me, uh, <laughs> I was at the at the last uh, home game of the season uh, for the Blue Jays uh, uh, last year, and even with the postseason, even though you know we were already out, th- you know, thanks Washington. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, even with the postseason, even able to being able to enjoy it, even despite the fact of the Jays not being in it, uh, there was always a linger in my mind and thinking that. Yeah, next year is probably going to be an ugly one. We're probably not going to be seeing any ball until at least, oh, probably May, maybe maybe in June, depending on how things went. And <clears throat> I will say I was absolutely shocked that a season even um, was even able to even become a thing. Well, right, well, right now, right in uh, April and everything, with the way that they were able to get uh, a deal going, and you know, definitely ecstatic that it was able to get cleared up and everything. I will say one other concern that um, the players had brought up that I thought was also a bit of a good idea in trying to minimize was the trend of uh, tanking where, you know, teams would basically trade away some of their good pieces and just become, uh, you know, doormats in their, (laughs) in their divisions all so they could get uh, future uh, draft picks and everything, which, I mean, yeah, we've seen it before and it has worked, but at the same time, uh, not only does it dilute the quality of, uh, of the game and everything, but also, you know, as you see the, the same number of teams uh, basically uh, uh, competing for the top spot while, you know, the basement dwellers are just, you know, the basement dwellers and, of course, um, when it comes to draft picks in MLB, it's a far bigger crapshoot compared to the likes of like NHL and NBA, where you'd really want to be focusing more on you know developing your farm rather than just getting uh, picks and whatnot. So I definitely was fine with them uh, trying to uh, address that concern. That's the thing. You ask an average an average baseball fan, not a, not a fanatic, but an average baseball fan, you ask them when is the draft and they won't be able to tell you because they're like, Oh, it happened. You know, it's the least exciting draft. So they don't televise it. It's like, you know, do you know that it happens and every team is playing usually on that day when the draft happens and then your draft it's, it's like the old ad. Well, kind of the NBA had this, uh, where you know you're you were drafting high schoolers, you're signing high schoolers right out, and you know instead of having them go to college, use their scholarship. Um, now it's let a lot less common in baseball uh, for them to ha- uh, sign high schoolers, and you know they kind of want them now to have a college draft, and like you were saying, adding an international draft because the head hunting for international players is just you know, money wins in that point. And that's, you know, baseball was heading in one direction and it was very set in its ways, old school. And 
we're in a different time and you know the fans certainly were a lot of them were just like you know this has to get fixed this has to get fixed or else you know i'm out there's so many other sports competing for my attention and time and money and the ones that were you know very dedicated unfortunately have started to get older maybe not have that uh you know fun income or you know they're no longer with us and they're not getting replenished like they used to and baseball has been hurting the most in north america when it comes to that so i think this lockout was a big you know turning point where you know they're starting to fix the problems within the game like the farm system and the draft and you know basic salary incomes because you see baseball always had those crazy incomes uh contracts but that's just one person and you know the average guy that's hoping to make the you know maybe the 26th man in you know on the bench he's not making the uh you know 130,000 or million dollars a year he's making maybe 200 260 if you know if he's constantly up if he gets demoted then that's a whole nother issue and like cole said you know going from team to team or town to town on a bus you're in a hotel you getting eight dollars a stipend for dinner it's not really going to fuel an athlete properly like if you're up in the major leagues with chefs and actually meal plans so there's systems within the game that need to be fixed and they're starting to get addressed. And then the next is how do we engage fans again? And not just with like social media, you know, social media is not the answer for engaging fans. That's maybe 10 years ago when it was a uh, fan day will be like, Oh, my team tweeted at me. Oh, wow. That that's not, everyone's kind of like, cool. Yeah. That's great and all, but. Uh, you know, this washroom in section 112 on the concourse is leaking. Can you fix it, please? Um, you know, yeah, baseball just took a right instead of a left with the other North American sports. And it's playing major catch up. And I think they did a great job not letting this lockout impact too, too much the schedule. You know, they're a week behind, uh, which Back in December, I don't think any of us would have been like a week behind. Are you kidding me? So it's, uh, yeah, exciting time that baseball is uh, back. But, um, you know, the next, the next step is, you know, all the problems aren't done. So what does baseball need to do to win back the fans? What does how do we fix you know or how, not fix but how do we tweak baseball where it's you know back in the good grace uh you know heading towards the late 90s where you know baseball and nfl were kind of battling back and forth and how, so how do we get baseball from going you know from tied for number one you know i i would say even they're less than the mls now a whole new league has come in and now there are five major sports leagues in North America. And I think with the rise in soccer, especially in Canada, the MLS is going to have a huge year and the Canadian premier league in Canada is going to have a huge year. 
how do we how does baseball cement itself that it's in the conversation a very loaded question i know <laughs> and there's no there's no right or wrong answer i mean it's you see, you see that the tweaks that they're trying to do, and they're going to start with some of them in the minor leagues this year and work them in next year to the big leagues. Um, the interesting one that they just came out with yesterday that they approved was the use of the signal watch for pitchers and catchers. So no longer will you see the catcher and, and the, the, the camera from center field that they're watching the game, the televising the game from. You're not going to see the catcher pointing down the, the goal number one down the middle for the fastball. Uh, it's going to be really, you know, Smart, smart, uh, smartwatch technology, smartphone technology now, uh, in an effort to avoid what happened with the, you know, Houston and the Yankees and the Red Sox and all the sign stealing scandals of the last five years. Um, I think that's interesting. Like just incorporating modern technology into the game. Uh, but you see it now. We've seen it for years with hockey. We know that that they have the the speed trackers, how fast the guy is going at any given point in time. Um, it's when you when you go to a ballpark. We all know we've all been to baseball games at various points in our lives. Uh, when you're there, it's a lot of fun. You know, there's a lot to keep your attention. You're watching the game. You're into it. But where baseball needs to connect with is more so the fans sitting at home. They, they, the game got to get it's got to get a little faster for those sitting at home. It's a lot easier to sit for three hours or four hours if you're going with multiple overtimes with a with a hockey game. Fast pace. It's fun. Football. Same thing. Baseball has always been the slowest sport moving. So if they're able to tweak a little faster, you know, the pitch clock is coming, uh, you know, there's a few little odds and ends here. Um, I'm not sure how everyone feels about that ghost runner starting on second in the extra innings. I kind of like it personally because, you know, as, as much as those 18 and 19 Thank games, you. Oh, my God. I, I actually like it because you don't have a you – don't, you don't have a seven-and-a-half-hour game that totally depletes both teams for the next five weeks. Exactly. When it's middle of July, and like Paul was saying, they're trying to eliminate those just tank because because the draft is such a crapshoot. You know, tanking not like in hockey or or basketball. You know, where it actually was like beneficial. You know, you have I don't even remember how many rounds are in the MLB draft. I think there are at least eighteen. Like thirty-two. Last time I checked. Exactly. Yeah. See, I so like. It's such a crapshoot when you're drafting 32 times. Um, but yeah, tanky when it's two te- teams in the middle of July, like, uh, and Paul was saying this, you know, you're not engaging with your fans when you're, you know, you're out already halfway through the season around the all-star breaker, like cool. So the second half of the year, we got to have a lot of promotions to bring in people. Baltimore. We're going to, we're going to have, bobblehead day every day or you know you buy a ticket you get a 20 foot long hot dog or something like it's going to engage the fans because like you were saying it's a heck of a different experience going to a baseball game because you have entertainment throughout you have food to entertain you uh just the atmosphere alone you're sitting at home you're i'm not tuning in when it's two teams at the bottom i've got better stuff to do and yet yeah if it's a tie game and it goes to 16 innings like holy cow you you really just so i i don't know why so many people are upset with the runner at second for the playoffs yeah no runner yeah. like it just like other sports leagues are doing they're tweaking their overtime where it's different from 
regular season to playoffs. But if you don't have to be there for five and a half, six hours and a game at one in the morning, especially when it means nothing in the standings, uh, why, why have that happen? So who remembers that? Who remembers the Cleveland Toronto Canada day game a few years back that won 18 innings? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I I see you there, Paul. I see you with, with that hand up there, brother. I, I feel like I feel I was, like Paul I was, was at that there. game. <laughs> I was at that I, game. Knew, I knew it. <laughs> if if anyone's been at one of those highlight games, it's Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was at that game, and I can still remember kind of pacing. Well, <laughs> I had my. Uh, I can remember. Uh, my battery on my phone was dying and I needed to call home at one point, you know, just say that, you know, that I was going to be on my way back. And thankfully I had my charge with me and I had to find like an outlet at, at uh, like a, one of the entrance ways to one of the uh, sections that I was in. And I can still remember kind of looking over and seeing like, so like, I think uh, Ryan Gones was pitching at one point. I was like, what? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That was, absolutely nuts and you know it's kind of funny i'm i i'm 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 not gonna lie i'm kind of one of those people who isn't the biggest fan of the ghost runner i mean don't don't hate me for it but um okay i i, I must begin though I, I won't lie at the same time i guess maybe this is kind of stockholm syndrome or something because i'm now starting to sort of kind of get okay i'll live with it with the regular season i guess i just i'm just a bit of a mixed bag over it on one hand yeah it does help to speed up the game and everything on the other i just find that it's so little league having a you know automatic runner on second and i don't know this is just me uh talking here um when when i'm off to a game and everything you know i just like going for just to escape for about two and a half to three hours and seeing this happen. It's like, it's like, I want to say to the league, leave my game alone. But I guess I'm slowly starting to kind of come around and be like, okay, if it, if it helps to get more people in, then I mean, interested, then okay. I guess still don't like it, but that's just me. <laughs> well, I'll keep in mind one thing, keep in mind one thing too, who that the, the runner on second, Who's that really for? Is that really for the fans, for us? Not really. That's the networks. The, the, you know, when Sportsnet has to do a 19-hour, a 19-inning game for the Blue Jays that starts at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and doesn't end until almost 9 o'clock at night, that's a lot of programming that they're missing. And then there's ad time that they've sold and sponsorships that they're not able to fulfill on. And they, they, they've got to make it up some other way. Then there's hundreds of millions of dollars at stake there. So... This is as much the network as it is the game trying to speed itself up in the regular season. So just keep just, just keep that in perspective that this is also the network trying to save their contracts and save billions of dollars in advertising revenue that they've already been paid for. Fair enough. Good point. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I think for me, part of it is like the unwritten rule of baseball that people like to call it. Like they're where, for instance, like last season, Fernando Tatis Jr., he just kind of put on a show. Like, he kept hitting runs. He kept celebrating, even though their team was up big. And all the old-school baseball fans just hated the crap out of him. 
all the young guys that like to celebrate when they hit a home run or do something cool like that. And then you have all these people in the media that just trash it. And I think it just like degrades the progress that people are trying to make as in the league. And like, you're kind of toying with the original baseball and the new kind of up and coming stars and you're trying to mix that to that fan base, but then you have all these people that are just trashing them for making, trying to make the game more exciting and enjoying what they do as a professional athlete. And I think that has really kind of toyed with the season the last few years and new ones keep coming out that I've never even heard of or people randomly call it an unwritten rule of baseball. In a way, have- oh, sorry, I, I was just going to say, it reminds me a bit with uh, the whole thing uh, with in regards to black, bat flips and everything. Like I can, you know, like remembering back in 2015 with Jose when, you know, he, he flipped his bat hitting the three run shot against Texas and everyone getting up in arms except uh, Blue Jays fans and uh, baseball fans in Canada in general. And then, you know, funny enough, I saw about a day ago on the subreddit for baseball uh, on Reddit that uh, MLB had uh, put out an ad, uh, including a tagline, enjoy the big flips. So it's making me think, oh, I guess they're starting to come around, but it's like, you take this long to finally come around to this? I mean, in places like, uh, like Japan, Korea, and down in Dominican, the Caribbean, like bat flips are, you know, like, wonderful moments like they embrace it so much and of course you know in the states they were like ah it's really the game and i was actually about to touch on the same thing you were you were going with paul with the uh the jose bautista backflip against texas uh god everyone in this country knows where they were when that moment happened um but do you does everyone else remember it was i think the year or two after you had commercials with aaron judge and Mike Trout and a bunch of the young guys in, in the game all at a big press conference table. And at, at the end, it's like they're all boasting what they're going to do. And Trout just says, just let them play. Just let the guys play. Yes, 100 years ago or 135 years ago when baseball really you know was invented and became a, a national pastime in America, society was different. It was very prim, very proper. You were more, you know, there was, you know, more respect in, in terms of a bit from day to day, just in from person to person. If you want to look at it that way, this is 2022 emotions run a lot higher. Uh, society has changed and maybe gone ahead and fallen back in certain areas. And we can debate that morally later, uh, but tenfold the changes have happened. So if a guy, it, whether it's a regular season game or a postseason game, if it's a big moment, and a guy hits an absolute bomb of a home run that changes the course of the game and his team season. What? Let him celebrate. Let him flip that bat. Let him dance around a little bit. No one. No one started. Like, wait, wait, like if it's for no reason, if it's like a fifteen to one game and he hits a grand slam, yeah. just circle the bases and enjoy it. You know, it, it, you're already crushing a team. There's no reason to go overboard. But big moments. You know, it's seventh inning, tied three three. And everything, and you hit a three-run homer. No one should be bitching about it whatsoever. It's a big emotions run high in sports. We have no problem when a hot when a guy in the NHL 
does, you know, a, a bit of an emphatic goal celebration when he scores a big one. Baseball should be no different. Was there ever an uproar, like a, a moonshot, you know, a, a walk-off or whatever when the bent, like when the dugout would clear and celebrate at home? Like, I just, I guess we kind of grew up with that, and I don't ever remember baseball purists really complaining when that would happen. So that's kind of, you know, it, is that because it's a team and they're not, you know, you can't really go like, oh, how dare the Blue Jays come out and celebrate and throw water on the guy that, you know, won them the game. But the second it's a high profile young star does something. And let me tell you this, how many times uh, I'm, you know, maybe going a little bit too far, but how many times was it where it's not a average white person doing it? If Mike yeah. Trout were to have done the mm-hmm. bat flip, yeah, would we have? Would it have been? Or was it because it was the Blue Jays in Canada, mm-hmm. slightly different than, uh, you know, an American team? Uh, but like you were saying, uh, Fernando Tatis, he's young, energetic a showstopper people want to watch him do we have to add a bat flip part to the all-star game to get people more on board like or used to seeing it it could get very creative Uh, i mean it's really just the home run derby uh, for skills Uh, so maybe they should add a few more skills to make defense look attractive for for fans i I don't know i don't the all-star game is not a issue it's one of the actually the major sports that have a proper all-star game and no one really complains. Um, and they haven't really tried to tweak it because it just works. But, you know, do do just baseball purists at their whole, have, have they held the game hostage, if you will, because they like it the way it is. And as society and how people consume sports change and TV viewings and everything is that, you know, it has baseball just been like, Oh, we have a really good fan base. And now a lot of them are gone away and baseball's playing catch up and the TV state, you know, networks and the money are telling them be like, Hey, we got to change a little bit. Like, and a lot of the purists are becoming less and less of a major voice I think baseball just kind of held on. One one second, Justin. I I have a problem with this term, and it it keeps coming up in a lot of sports. Purists. Call them what they are. Old-timers. Guys who are 55 and older. These are old-timers from a different era who have lost touch with society today. Sorry. I don't... Anyone who's 55 or older, mom, hi. I I love you. I don't... (laughs) Charles, Um, Charles... There's going to come a time where we are 55 plus, and <laughs> let me yeah, tell you, I, mean, I don't like the sounds of that. <laughs> but but honestly, okay, all kidding aside, the quote-unquote purists, who are they? The ones that bring Guys radios bro- to the stadium to listen to the game while they watch the game. <laughs> so it, these are guys who are tw- like one and a half, two times our age. You know, do, do we call them purists or we just call them old timers from a different era? And that's a key word, era. This I is think there 2022. was a, I think there was a 
there was also a time too where a lot of baseball fans because it takes up you know if you're like a mega fan you're going to watch spring training ball so you're going to be invested from early march to october that's a long time to be invested in one thing and then you know you take your off season because you know some fans they like the break because it's can get very mentally draining depending on how involved you get you know, baseball was the only sport they cared about. Maybe they, you know, watch a little bit of football, but they wouldn't be as invested because it would, you know, fill their time once a week. And the Super Bowl happens end of January, February. You got a couple weeks and then baseball, boom, you're back in. So I think baseball at a point had so many individual fans that cared. And now maybe their attention their money are being pulled elsewhere and it's not they don't have so much of a a percentage of their fans that are all gung-ho about baseball for eight to ten months so i think that's also the fan perspective has shifted as well where you want to have more than just one favorite team and you, you play you know i grew up and cole certainly grew up you know playing multiple sports instead of just honing in on one and even hockey growing up in the 90s it was like you know now it's hockey you can do hockey camps in the summer and all that but you know Gretzky and Crosby they're like oh yeah we played lacrosse in the summer and people are like lacrosse like why lacrosse like well it works on your hand-eye coordination your uh, handling it's a different sport so your different cardio and all that and when that kind of started to come out in the late 90s people were like oh maybe that is a good thing that my kids in more than one sport and it's, it's been a a shift. The nineties was a big shift. Uh, Although baseball takes up depending on your level. If you're just, you know, in school, you'd play maybe June, July, August, and then go back to school, but you could start uh, here in Canada. I guess it's a little bit later, Uh, but you know, I knew kids that were getting, high up there in the competitive they would start in domes in april and then travel pretty much the entire summer into september and then not do a sport in the winter because they're worried they're going to get injured or anything and there's been a shift and we've grown up with the shift and we see it uh but like you were saying the older generation they, they don't they don't know the shift and I've said the shift word so many times. How do you guys feel about the shift, no shift? And, uh, you know, the shift, like, I don't understand <laughs> baseball players. Oh, they shouldn't be allowed to shift. They want to hit the ball. To me, that sounds like they're just whining, complaining. I don't know. What are your takes on the, the no shift, shift shouldn't be allowed fiasco? Well, personally, if you say shift more, too many more times, you might miss that F. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the banning of the sh- the banning of aligning your defenses a certain way is horseshit. It is a part of it. Not to call myself a baseball purist, but it's strategy. Sports a strategy. If a guy hits the ball ninety nine percent of the time to one part of the field. Why not be allowed to put your defense there to try and get it out? 
Now, now let That's me ask strategy. this question. The one, the one, I guess, constant argument I, I heard was, oh, it takes time. Like it, it adds to the time. Uh, you can, you can shift, you can change people in hockey like that on the fly. Why do you like, why does it take time for teams to do a shift? You should just shift like as it, you, every player knows the batting lineup. They know who's coming up next. Like, it's not like, Oh shoot. Mike Trout is up. I better run to the right. Like they know, okay, it's this guy. Chute, okay. And then Trout, like we know the lineup. Oh. Well, you, you saw it with the Blue Jays when they had uh, Josh Donaldson, then Jose, then Eddie in the lineup. You saw pretty much once the, once whoever was leading off, whether it was Ben Revere or anybody else was done batting, you saw the entire uh, defense start to shift for three batters. Once the out was made or the runner, the yeah, bat was over for Ben Revere, everyone started, they've all moved a little bit more to the left side. They didn't wait. It doesn't take any time off the game. It, it, each pitcher takes 15 to 20 seconds to reset themselves after a batter. That's all it takes to do it. So it, it, that wasn't adding anything. I just wanted to make sure I heard that argument. I was like, ah, that seems like you're grasping at straws here. But but to, to talk, just to finish my point on the on the two parts of the shift, banning the shift and the shift in sports psychology, you know, one sport versus multi-sport athletes, banning the shift in baseball is a dumb idea. It's strategy. It's part of the game. And, you know, it's all. It's equally as fun watching watching a player like David Ortiz, you know, Big Poppy shout out, um, or any or Jose Bautista or anyone else cr- double cross the defensive alignment. That's all. That's always a lot of fun because it's like, ha I stuck it to you. The shift in people going from being one sp- singular focused on sports to multiple. Yes, we all grew up with that. Uh, you know, you, you play hockey in the winter, and you played either soccer, football, or baseball in the summertime. Uh, you might see a bit of a, a pendulum swing back towards being a single sport athlete for the next little while, given, you know, the economic situations going on across the world with everything being as expensive as it is. I mean, hockey is, I don't think hockey's ever been as expensive as ever it is now. Baseball might be soccer and baseball, are two of the least expensive sports to play when it comes to equipment. So you might see a, a sort of a singular focus once for a little while until, you know, the economy balances itself back out again. But there was a great article some years ago. Don't ask me who wrote it. It's, it, it was in the Sports Illustrated about the effects of being a dual sport athlete and actually how it benefits because you're working multiple muscle groups and you're not letting one muscle group lag behind. So uh, I really hope that the, the multi-sport athlete sticks. But given economics right now, who knows? Uh, on, honestly, with um, in, in regards to uh, honestly to in regards to the shift, I was pretty bummed that they were going to be banning it and everything because as as you had mentioned, as you I agree that it, it's part of the strategy and everything. And to having it uh, taken away, it takes a bit of uh, as I said, like a, a good uh, part of the strategy away from from the game and everything. So I. I don't know why they like banned the shift. Like I feel like it it was kind of pointless rule to change. I know a lot of people were happy about it, which I don't know. I there were some mixed feelings I read. But to me it's it's stupid. That's the way kind of the defense rolls and 
I don't know what that's going to look like this season. Like, I, are they going to randomly call it if someone happens to shift? Like, I wonder how that's going to kind of work, like accidentally shift, but. Uh, I think, I think, they're they're going to have to have zones or have, something. I think you'll be allowed to like, sort of move guys on the same side of the infield. Like you, the first, the first baseman and the second baseman might be able to bunch up closer together. But you won't. I don't think you're going to be allowed to have you know a shortstop being playing out in short right field and a third baseman playing shortstop. I don't think that uh, that's what they're pretty much they're going to have. They're going to have those guys stay on their proper side of the infield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to really make sure there's like positional baseball, I guess, out of it. I don't know. And uh, what about the the robo umps? Do you think? Do you think? Uh, you know, we need robo umps. Do you think that's you know kind of part of the game, the human element to it? Uh, do you think umpires? Now, again, this is going to slow down the game, but I would rather have correct calls than worry about time, especially when it comes to the playoffs. When you know umpires can review stuff, or does an umpire need a uh, an arm? One uh, other idea I saw was kind of having still human umpires, especially because you need them in the outfields because, uh, you know, you're going to need a review from a computer anyways, if it's a close tag or whatnot, unless you add like multiple sensors, but then dirt could hit a bag before calling. So you have a kind of computer watching the strike zone and a armband on the ump where it'll let you know uh, if it was in the strike zone or not, if the umpire is ever confused or like unsure if the armband vibrates, you know, it was in the strike zone. So kind of as a secondary assistant rather than just having complete robo ump. Um, but I feel like we're, we're heading towards a robo ump. It's, uh, it's God, that, I hope not. Uh, I really hope not. I have a, I have a cousin who's an umpire actually in Arizona and I'm, and I'm hoping to actually get him on the show with us and we can actually get a lot of this from his point of view in the near future. Uh, you know, we, we, we never hear it from his side, but that's, you know, we can talk about that later. Uh, yes, we all bitch about it. All, all of us here and everyone listening who's ever watched a baseball game at least one time a game and sometimes one time an inning, you see a call and you're like, what the beep are you thinking of? What are you doing? How is that a strike? How is that out? How is that best? It's part of the game. You can't like it. Look at, look at the NFL, look at the NHL, look at any sport. If you say, if you replace the human element of a referee with robotics, then you take away the human aspect of the game. Cause there are certain calls that are made or not made because it's like, you know what? No, we let this game, we let it go all game long. How would the NHL be if they had a, a robot calling every penalty? You'd have 20 power plays a night for each side. So, no, they, they, they've got to keep the human umps in there. The idea of an armband. Okay, I like that. But, God, I hope we stay away from robot umpires. See, that just sounds like the... Uh... What's it? The fan 
chosen NFL or oh uh, the fan control football, football league. league that is yeah. that is a that just sounds exactly what it could lead down to if you're going to put a robotic umpire in Major League Baseball. I understand improving some of it, like with the technology now. I mean, look at hockey, look at the NBA, look at NFL. They've all slowly started to improve with the technology now in the stadiums. So I don't understand why they can't implement it because there is human error. I mean, you see it in every sport with refs. It happens. Sometimes you miss it. Sometimes it's blatantly obvious. But I mean, is it because baseball purists don't understand technology? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll just shut up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely, when, when it comes to robo-ups and everything, I mean, on one hand, yeah, it could probably improve upon, you know, some of the calls or lack of calls that have been, been made on ups. But on the other hand, it does open a bit of a, can of worms there where you're taking away a bit of the human aspect and everything and <laughs> funny we mentioned about technology and everything since it, it just when i think of it it, w- it wasn't that long ago what would it be about a few seasons ago at least where mlb finally got on board with instant replay <laughs> i mean it took them what was it at least what five years ago or so and yet that. you know it, and yet nhl and nba are like oh what took you so long? <laughs> Seriously, right? Like when fans had replays as the nineties. Yeah, when fans can have an iPhone zoom in and be like, "Hey, I can show you the replay," and MLB is like, "Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know." But uh, it's yeah, and finally, the last major thing I think that needed to be addressed was playoffs. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I know this has been a sticking point, but like I've been saying, when you know about half of your teams are potentially out of it or you know very grim outlook, and you're at the halfway point of a season, uh, you know I don't under you know what's the what, you're going to tune out and go, oh, NFL starting and training camps. Cool. I can pay attention to football. Not that preseason football is very fun. Or here in Canada, CFL season's in full swing. Cool. I can pay attention to the CFL. And MLS, the MLS is now another competitor during the summer months here in North America. So, you know, adding more playoff teams, I mean, that's only going to deepen the revenue pockets of baseball the players uh the tv stations so i don't see it being a bad thing and it's not like they 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 made it you know eight teams for both sides they started off with a second wildcard team and then oh you get one game okay cool woo we made the playoffs for one game and that like counts as making the playoffs now, but now it's six teams. So what do you think seven. of this? Is it seven? It's seven. You got, you got your division. No, no, you're right. It's six. Sorry. I think they wanted it to be seven and they were yeah, just like, right. oh, no, it is. 
Yes, three division and three wild cards. Right, you're right. Sorry. So this new playoff format, what do you do? You like it? Do you think it's a good like kind of compromise for a little bit, let people get used to it, and then we can see about expanding it in, in the future? Uh, or, or you know, is everyone right? And you know, you need the least amount of playoff teams possible. I think they kind of hit a sweet spot, you know, with six teams, you know, you got, you got your division winners, three wildcard teams. It's just enough that it's going to keep a few teams who would be totally selling off at the deadline. They'll keep them in them to keep them buying, it'll be, make them more buyers. And it'll just keep a few extra markets, you know, interested instead of having, you know, like last year, yeah, Seattle was making a late charge, but we all know that the wild card came down to Toronto, New York, and Boston. And out and with the little bit of Seattle charge there, but outside that, no one else cared about standings because everything else was decided long ago in the, in the middle of the season. You know, the AL Central was locked up forever and a day ago because of how bad it was. So I know I think it's a sweet spot. I don't think it needs to get any bigger than six, really. Because then you start getting into the argument of, well, if too many teams are making the playoffs, then, you know, is it like, is it really an achievement if more than half your league makes the playoffs? So I think the way baseball season is structured and the way that the league is going, I think at least as long as this collective bargain agreement lasts the next five years, don't alter it. Keep it the way it is. Get some hard data, get four or five hard years of evidence, and then Let's revisit it, but I think they've hit the sweet spot here. See, I feel like I'd like to see maybe eight teams in total go in. Like you start to look at how NBA has done their thing where they've added the play-in games to make playoffs more exciting where not all these top teams automatically make it. So your team still has a chance later on in the season. Same with NFL. They added extra wildcard games to make it a whole – event for a new playoff series um like yeah six teams are good but i think just even like one extra on each side just giving that extra push for teams that aren't normally in the playoffs giving them more revenue and stuff like that like you were saying charles i mean i think it couldn't hurt down the line i'd like to see it but we'll see how the six teams go Yeah, when I was hearing about the ex, uh, expanded postseason and everything, uh, I was kind of at first thinking, uh, how many teams are we going in for? Because I, I can recall back to 2020. Now, granted, you know, was a bit of a different circumstance, but they basically, of course, you know, had it treated kind of like with like NHL and NBA of having eight in each uh, league, which I mean, OK, for just this one time, fine, though. I, when it comes to, you know, like a, when it comes to a league with a 162 uh, schedule and everything, um, when you get one of the spots and everything, uh, one of the postseason spots, you know, you're like representing the best of the best in your respected league. And when they expanded it for, uh, to, from about five to five at that point to eight and eight in 2020, they had some teams in it that 
really shouldn't have been in and were of course either average or mediocre or just had really garbage records. I mean, God, Astros were almost uh, one game away from going to the World Series that year, and they had a sub-500 record. I mean, that was just – that would have been god-awful for, for the sport, in my personal opinion. So anyway, when I when I heard that it was just going to be just one other uh, one other spot getting added into each league and going six for six, I thought, okay. And with it being um, with that in mind, having uh, uh, the the wild cards being like, being a three game uh, series, I thought, oh, okay, all right, I guess. I mean, I mean, yeah, that works. Uh, I mean. I get the whole thing with the, the wall card game where, you know, one and done is it, you know, it doesn't really suit baseball that well. And yet, I don't know. I always found it was like a good little appetizer to get into, you know, the spirit of October ball, but that's just me here. Uh, but I, I, I agree with Charles where that in that, I think it is a bit of a sweet spot where six should be, you know, more than enough to, bring out i said the best and the best out the best of the best in uh, each, each league and hopefully you know with that with the uh expanded uh spot that uh it will keep things from getting too diluted six and six uh, whether you look at it as a whole for 12 out of 30 baseball teams or just in each conference 40 percent of the teams are making the playoffs that's not a bad number for baseball. Hockey, we're, it's been it, you would have a massive uproar if you tried to con, try to eliminate how many playoff teams there were. Eight and eight, however they do it, whether it's one through eight or the, the division and the wild card, the way they do it now, we're, we're used to that. So more than fifty percent of the NHL, well, actually now fifty percent now that they have thirty-two teams, so fifty percent of their makes the uh, the playoffs. Less than fifty percent make it in the NFL. Uh, if you count the play-in games, yes, more than 50% of the NBA make it. And that, I, I think the whole play-in tournament, yes, it's nice. It's, it's you know, It boosts the television ratings. It does this, but a little bit a little too gimmicky for my liking personally. Um, but, no, having the number of 50% or less to make the playoffs, it really is representative of, okay, you you belong there. You, don't, you, 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 don't, you didn't get in by the grace of God. Like, you know, we talked about, you know, Paul brought it up when they had uh, some teams that didn't belong in the, in the playoffs really in 2020, look at the NHL when they had the play in. Yes. Montreal Canadiens beat Pittsburgh. We know that we love it. Uh, but there are teams like in Chicago beat Edmonton. Chicago should never have been in the playoffs to begin with based on that year. So when there's too many teams making the playoffs, it dilutes the product and it just leaves a bit of a bad taste um, in the mouth. So keeping it at 50% or under is definitely ideal for, for in terms of actually determining a real winner. So I'll give two points. I, I mean, NBA used to do this too, like best of five in the like early rounds to First speed round. stuff out, the uh, speed stuff up. Like, I don't know. Like, I think if you've earned the right to make the playoffs, it shouldn't matter what round it is. It should be best of seven. And I know baseball plays the most amount of games and it's the longest season. And, uh, you know, I understand, you know, you know, getting rid of the, the lean meat, if you will, to get to the divisional and, you know, championship 
rounds and the World Series because that's in theory going to be you know the best versus the best. So, like, yeah, the the best of three and all that, like, it just because then like travel too, you're still traveling, so the team gets a playoff game and that adds a day. Like, it just I, I think it should be best of seven, but that's you know mine, you know, playoff in general. But if baseball were to add, go to eight teams, I think the only way that would be feasible is you lessen the amount of regular season games. And that's another big sticking point now is, you know, there are too many games. Why do they have to play 162? So if they would lessen the season by 20 games and add, you know, eight teams. Uh, you know, every season is different in baseball too. You know, we had, you know, four out of the five in the AL East could have made the playoffs. You know, and the Blue Jays were probably are in the conversation for one of the best teams to never make the playoffs that season. And, of course, we're in Canada here, so that's been a big talking point all off season is like how good the blue Jays were and they still didn't make the playoffs. And, you know, this expanded playoffs will help when there are situations like that, where there's a really, really good team that should have made the playoffs that could have made a bunch of noise and was just like, no, sorry, you, you know, one game short, but then you get the pushback, be like, Oh, well you could have won this game. And there were certainly some games down the stretch where, you know, one or two games would have made the swing. And there's, there's always counter arguments to every single point. But yeah, 2020 was just a whole special circumstance where, you know, you, you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't have had the Astros. You shouldn't have had Chicago and all this stuff and magical things happen, except we don't like the Astros. So, yeah, it's glad that they didn't make it as that far. But I think, you know, adding, lessening 20 games of the regular season and thus, you know, making up those games in playoff revenue and playoff teams. And you also maybe can move the schedule up or at least have the playoffs. So the world series maybe doesn't end up in November. And if you have a team like New York or some of those teams with outdoor stadiums in cold weather situations, uh, you know, you're going to have a sellout, but are fans really happy in November? Now that being said, depending on where they play, it's not going to be as cold as we can experience here in Canada. Uh, but, you know, like Seattle, Seattle is making noise this year, potentially. Do you want a November World Series in Seattle where it's potentially just going to be rain and maybe five degrees and they might have to postpone it even further and have rain delays? Uh, that's my suggestion. Uh, I think thankfully in Seattle, they do have, they, I think they do have a roof over there. I'm very certain. Actually. Yeah, no, they, they would actually. So yeah, they'd be okay. But yeah, if we were talking like say uh, Minnesota, yeah, yeah, Minnesota plays outside now. So they're, they're not saved by, uh, by the dome anymore. No, I never, I still, still don't understand why they didn't have one there. I mean, they get same kind of weather that we do, but I mean, Hey, 
We're not, they're the they only professional team that doesn't have a dome or an indoor stadium in Minnesota that plays professional. So that's kind of an ironic, ironic twist on that one. Yes. But I mean, hey, we, they don't have to worry about October ball this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll talk about that when we get to the AL Central. <laughs> oh, yes. So, um, yeah. So uh, any um, any other talking points from the offseason, the new rules? Uh, do we want to talk about what happened last year? I will bring one up. Um, finally, the NL get with the times. Universal DH. I am so okay, glad I'm that done. they're finally bringing in a DH. It's, I, honestly, it's honestly about, about time in that regard. I mean, one, who, want, who wants to see a pit, pitcher strike out pretty much, what, 98% of the time? And two, who wants them risking injury? And three, I don't know about any, any of you, but I always found the double switch confusing. So I'm finally glad that they finally got with the times. You yeah, mean you don't want to see game. the epitome of an athlete's body in Bartolo Cologne hitting a <laughs> home run and taking 45 seconds to round the bases? I mean, you could argue, I mean, hey, at least they have the Otani, uh, Otani rule for that. But yeah, okay, I will admit, yeah, I will be sad to see something like that not happen again. <laughs> I, did, I did find it funny when finally a pitcher is like, you know, a huge home run hitter. That they're just like, ah, no, we don't need this anymore. And it's like, you had a boast in fans, in a, you know, viewership, in international viewership because of this one player. Now you're like, ah, we don't, yeah, we're good. But yes, they did add in the, the Otani rule, which is good because they're, they're certainly going to take advantage of that. Uh, but not every team is lucky in that situation. Is there any talking points we want to talk about about last season, or are we we've had all off season to talk about the what ifs? Yeah. All right, so it's 2022. Um, what are some storylines that are going into the season? Uh, do you have any favorite storylines? Uh, you know, can Atlanta go back to back? Is Atlanta crazy for selling a $25,000 food item where you get a replica ring? Uh, you know, uh, are there any storylines that are really going into it? Or is it just the storyline was the lockout, the new CBA, and we'll see what what happens with, uh, with all of that? Sorry, I kind of lost you guys there for a second. Um, I don't know if anyone mentioned it, but the the one thing I'm looking forward to is the division of death. The AL East. The AL Beast. Yeah. It hasn't changed. It's still the strongest division in the American League and arguably the strongest division in baseball. You've got four potential playoff teams, and with the new playoff rules, the three wildcard teams could very easily all come from the AL East this year. They would have last year had the rule been, had it been the same way. So we, we can sit here and talk all night about who's going to win the AL East. There's four teams with a legitimate division aspirations. 
The Red Sox maybe took a bit of a hit losing Chris Sale till June. So maybe they're they're more of looking at wild card spot right off the bat now. But legitimately Tampa, the Yankees, and definitely the Blue Jays all are all have their eyes set on the division crown. And God, I I I almost really do feel bad for Baltimore. I didn't for years. Hated their manager, hated Manny Machado, thought he was an arrogant little punk. Uh, but I actually kind of feel bad for them because they got to play this being the last year of 19 games against their own division rivals. Uh, next year, it drops to 14. But they have to play 76 games against these four guys. What are the odds they win more than 10 of those games? Not very likely. Stranger things yeah. have happened, but when you look at that lineup, like the Blue Jays, the Yankees, like if it, if it's anything like last year, they're just going to hit the ground running even stronger. And especially the Jays, they know what they missed out on. They were inches away from making it. Now they're not going to take anything for granted. Yeah, no, I, it's just, it, I said, like I said earlier, it's still amazing to think that this season's going to be beginning. And I can still recall seeing uh, one of the shirts that, uh, the Jays were uh, ha- were sporting where they were saying that it had this phrase going, you know, last year was the trailer, uh, yeah. or last season was the trailer. This season's the movie. And thank you, Vladdy Girl. Yes, and I mean, hey, picking up uh, the likes of Matt Chapman and Kevin Gosman. I mean, we are gearing up. So, yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a war, and for once, you know, we're actually gonna be pretty pumped for said for this said war. So yeah, bring her on. I mean, just just look at this for 19 games, and I'm just gonna read out five or six names, and we're just gonna talk offense for a second. The Yankees, health permitting, and this will be a big question mark for them with three of their big hitters, but health permitting, Josh Donaldson, Aaron Judge, John Carl Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo. That is almost as scary a a five-some as you can possibly imagine, given that it's both left- and right-handed power. Now, Stanton, Judge, and Donaldson have health issues. They have all all three have hamstring issues in the the last two years. So if any one of them, if multiple of them go down, the Yankees might be in a little bit of trouble. The Blue Jays turn around and say, George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and Matt Chapman. Uh, 19 games of that, yes, freaking please. That's to me the two matchups you don't want to miss in that division, 100%. I, I mean, yeah, now this is kind of – and let's just jump into it, and we'll start with the AL Beast. Um, is this the Yankees' last kind of go-round? Uh, last last chance because you know Aaron Judge is coming up on his. There there are rumors that if they don't win, he's he could look elsewhere. And as we know in baseball, it's so easy to, especially for a team like the Yankees, to just throw money and build a contender. But it's just as quick you can disassemble and start the rebuild very very quickly. So is this kind of their last? gasp with this group uh, before they might have to retool. 
No, I, I don't think it really is. Uh, the Yankees, if they're going to have to retool, anything would be the pitching staff and maybe the bullpen after this season. But when it comes from overall as a whole team perspective, uh, with the way that the luxury tax is going to keep going up and up and up during this uh, collective bargaining agreement, uh, I don't think it's the last kick of the can for them. Um, you I think, think this he stays? For be... me, sir? You think Aaron Judge stays if they don't win? This is this is the Yankees. Um, Aaron Judge is tailor built as a Yankee. He's tailor, he, he'll play. He can play anywhere in the AL East and still thrive. But he's tailor made to play at Yankee Stadium with the way with where he plays, how he hits. I I can't see the Yankees not getting the deal done. First of all, I would be hundred percent shocked if Aaron Judge is wearing a different uniform next year. I mean, I'd almost want to go put a, a bet saying, no, Yankees get that done because that's the guy they're going to build around. That, that That's your – he is going to be the next Derek Jeter. He's the next captain of that team. He's the, he's the face of the franchise. And the Yankees, unlike other sports teams and other leagues across this continent, are not stupid enough to let the captain walk. So, no, that deal gets done. He stays. Um, and the Yankees, this won't be their last kick of the can. The Yankees, just they, they have money. They always do. The evil empire has lots of money. So they'll still be relevant. Will they be as dominant as they possibly can be this year? Probably not. This might be the, this might be the one year of where they can you know that now they've got a lot of opposition in their division, but they will be dominant. The Yankees will be right there throwing punch for counter punch with everybody. So will they be the same way next year? Probably not. But will they still be relevant and still in that conversation for a for a World Series berth, absolutely. This year and next. Yeah, no, I definitely agree on that, and basically took the words out of my mouth there, Char- Charles. Like he, Aaron Judge is very much the fa- face of the Yankees, and see, see, even imagining the idea of him being on another team, another team is mind boggling. And of course, he's also a very big uh, ambassador to the game. Like I can recall going to games down in Toronto. Uh, when the Yankees would come to town and when they would be having uh, batting practice and everything, there would be moments uh, during it where he would, you know, be up, out and about um, uh, s- signing balls and things to uh, any kids or any fans posing. And, uh, uh, and of course uh, Jay's fans, uh, you know, regardless. And uh, you know, that, that, that's such a, you, you don't you don't see that a lot with a, with a lot of other players that uh, ambassador uh, to the game kind of aspect, and they they would be honestly they'd be clueless clueless to let him go uh, over that and of course with his uh, with his batting power and whatnot. So yeah, no, I don't see him going at any point in time, and yeah, it, it, they're the evil empire for the reason. Like they will spend and spend more to get what they want, and that is the commissioner's trophy. And yeah, the Yankees never stand stand down for long. So yeah, no, this this isn't their last can uh, kick in the can. That's for sure. No, and they've already built the team around Judge to begin with. So why get rid of them at that point? They just keep adding bigger pieces to them. So what do we think the final standings are going to be? Who's going to win the the East? How many games are they going to win? 
Uh, do we think like all the statisticians and all the experts are saying, is this Toronto's year to win uh, the AL East and, you know, who knows how far that will take them? Well, I mean, we know the easiest answer in all of this of who's going to be fifth. So we got that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, that was the yeah easiest, uh, easiest choice. Uh, Baltimore, you, you got a beautiful stadium. You're, you're high up in that standing in that regard, but uh, you got work to do. Honestly, God, I want to say the Blue Jays are going to win the division. My heart says that. But when you take the loyalty I have to my Blue Jays out of the equation, honestly, I don't think we can you can legitimately call saying there's your division favorite and picking a team. Uh, first of all, it's 162 games and a lot of stuff happens. You have injuries, the trade deadline. You've got so much. I mean, the Jays are going to start with 30 games in 31 days right out of the bat. So I mean, we're going to learn we're going to learn quite a bit about the Jays right off the bat. There, do they have the deepest pitching staff? Probably in that division. Uh, bullpen, solid, but God, I don't want to say this, but some health question marks. Can, you know, Jordan Romero, can he stay healthy? Can Julian Merriweather stay healthy? Because, you know, he, he had that opening series in Yankee Stadium last year and he teased with, you know, dropping an 80 mile an hour change up and then a 99 mile an hour fastball that not even Judge could catch up to. And, you know, it, it just everyone was like, holy cow. If everything can go right for the Blue Jays, I would have to give them the ed- the odds on favor to be the division, but way too much can happen in this division with Tampa. You never can count on Tampa. They they are the epitome of muddy ball. They get they find statistics and they find ways to get the most out of their guys with the where no one else would even think it's possible. So you can't count Tampa out. I can say though that it's going to take at least 95 wins to win this division. This is not going to be a division where, you know, when 88 games is going to get it done. It's going to take at least 95, probably even 100 to get this job done to this year. Um, as to who does it, well, I, I have to take the cop-out answer and say, we'll, we'll, I'll talk to you again in, in, at the end of September. We'll see if uh, how that all turned out. I do believe their over-under is 95 and a half for Toronto. I think I'll take the, the over on that one. I take the over too, but like you said, it, a lot can go wrong right away, and then you're sweating, you're sweating it out to make it to 96. So, honestly, with those three, it's I'd love to say the Blue Jays too, but it's anybody's race. I mean, you look how powerful. You always know Tampa has been in it; they keep in it, and then the Empire. I mean, look how stacked they are, but so are the Jays. So I, it's definitely, like you said, Charles, it'll definitely be up there in the high 90s to win that division easily. No question about it. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to be preaching to the choir here. I I do want to say the Jays, but it's slim margin, but it, it is going to be anyone's division. I mean, aside from Baltimore. Um, and, <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I, it's funny, but Tampa, I always doubt them every single time until, you know, Blue Jays end up playing them in Tampa. God, I hate that part. And, oh. <laughs> like, they, they, I always doubt them, and they always surprise me. So, you know, can never count them out. 
can never count out New York either. And even the Red Sox in some aspects have a bit of a chance. So, yeah, no, it's definitely going to go all the way down to September, early October, since the season will be ending by then at this point. And, yeah, definitely at least it'll be at least 90, you, you, at minimum 95 wins. Yeah, the, the top three, I, I think it's right now, especially with Chris Sale out for so long, uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a drawn-out battle uh, between the three of them. And then depending on Boston's position, they could. But I think they're the weakest out of the four right now. Um and it's yeah. yeah, those those division games are really gonna be the difference for positioning wise. I mean, of course it always is, but uh those those divisional games and series are really, you know, if you get swept in a couple of them, I think that's gonna be gonna be it. If you get swept, I think more than two series out of the nineteen, I, I think your your chances of winning the division are gone. And that's how tight it is. The Red Sox are going to be fun too, because you know, they, they, they went all in and got Trevor story for was $140 million. And the constant question all year long for them is going to be, does Trevor story that does his power translate to the AL East? Considering he spent so many years at Coors field. And I was looking it up earlier. His op- his career OPS at home was up around a thousand, like high nine fifties. On the road, 750. So does his power translate to does it does do the Red Sox have the offense to keep up with everybody? Mm. But all the pitching. So I think you're right, Justin. And you know, we've 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 mentioned that Boston might be a little bit of like the the trailing edge of the of the beast there, but they're we've counted the Red Sox out before too, and they and they make a charge. So as much as we want to knock them down and right now, pencil them in as the fourth place team. Don't count them out. Boston has this annoying habit of still being relevant when we least expect them to be. So, uh, yeah, we can talk all day about the AL East, I think. Um, (laughs) Now, heading to the Central, are we going to have any surprises or, you know, is it, do we think that kind of the same positioning is going to happen as last year? Um, or, or do we have a, a surprise uh, in any of those teams? Well, I know everyone wants to anoint the White Sox as the division winners right now, and hard not to. They really didn't lose anyone except for Carlos Rondon. And you know, that, that stings the pitching staff a little bit there for them. But they went out and got Kendall Graveman. They got Joe Kelly. So they're, they're shoring up their pitching. Um, but their health. Only two of their star players, the, the, the big like five or six players, played more than 130 games last year. So, the health can can they stay healthy? And they can can they get on a hot streak? Can they be consistent? Um, well, you can't count out the addition of the Minnesota Twins and what the Detroit Tigers did this offseason. They're gonna they'll challenge. Will they beat Chicago? Probably not because Chicago's got a better pitching staff even though the twins went out and they got uh, Sonny Gray and Chris Archer, it's a bit of a gamble on both of them to sort of try and, you know, regain their former glory a little bit. 
Uh, the Tigers kind of banking the hopes on Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez and Michael Pineda. Uh, don't think their pitching staffs can hold up against that all year long, but they'll surprise. I wouldn't be surprised to see that division not be decided till mid-September this time, instead of being decided in August, like last year. Yeah, the AL Central, I always find it's such a cupcake division where you pretty much just have one one uh, team that really has a chance at making it to October and everyone else is just, well, there. And <laughs> no no doubt in my mind that, you know, it, the White Sox are the perennial favorite in this regard, though I honestly, out, out of the team, out of the rest of the teams and everything, I definitely agree that the ti- the Tigers in particular, having gone through su- um, such a long uh, rebuild and everything, I think they'll be a bit of a surprise where they start to make some little baby steps here and there. I'd even argue a little bit with uh, with the Royals a little bit as well too, with some of their talent coming up, like Bobby Witt Jr. and yeah. MJ Molinas and. Uh, uh, Nick uh, Prado uh, coming up at some point in time. Uh, other, other than that, uh, I don't, I, personally, I don't see the Twins doing too much. And same with, same with Cleveland. So, Cleveland. yeah. So, <laughs> but, yeah, for me, it's pretty much the, the White Sox division to, to lose here. So, Paul, do you, you, you don't – So, if – well, this is a mighty big gift for the Minnesota, but if Byron Buxton stays healthy – all year long is the, the, is the, uh, the offense that will be added from the acquisition of Gary Sanchez and Carlos Correa. Is that not enough to put them in the mix? You think? I mean, if he stays healthy, I mean, yeah, though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, if, he, if he stays healthy. Okay. I can be a little convinced though. I don't know. Past history has said otherwise. <laughs> yeah. That's fair, but I, I think the Twins will surprise everybody. Um, I'm a little surprised you think the Royals, though. I, I mean, yes, Bobby Witt Jr. is all that and a bag of chips. Like, he, he's everything that they say he is, and he's going to be a great player. Can't take that away. But I can't see Kansas City's pitching holding up. I mean, I mean the only thing they went in, did in, and uh, they went out and got a bit of a feel-good reunion with Zach Greinke. Mm-hmm. So I don't, oh, yeah. I don't, think, I, I, oh. I don't, see, I don't see their pitching staff being able to – keep up with any of the other three that we were talking about, Detroit, Minnesota, and, and uh, Chicago. Oh, no, I definitely agree with you on that, uh, Charles. No, for sure. I was just, of course, just uh, thinking in regards to, like just making some small baby steps here and there okay. uh, in, in regards to uh, them rebuilding just as much as with the Tigers as well. So, okay. yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there that, yeah, in regards to them um, being like a major, major, major surprise. Yeah, they're pitching. Yeah, I would definitely say otherwise. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. And we head to the AL Wests. Now, a lot of people are really singing the praise of the Mariners, which it's been a long time since I've heard that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's great. I uh, always had a soft spot for Seattle with. Ichiro and Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, you know and Felix, Felix, uh, yeah, all hell the uh, king. 
you know, they, they've, they've had very talented players and just never really have been able to, to go deep and, you know, really use that talent. And for the first time, and I think ever that, you know, people are really singing me like, you know, this is something special. Um, but does another team like, you know, LA with all the talent they have, do they finally, you know, can LA put it together and, you know, use the talent that they have with Trout and Shuate, uh, or are they just filled with popular players that are going to sell jerseys, but not going to advance LA to, uh, to do something in the playoffs? As far as the Angels go, the one question that I'll pose, before, and you guys can think about it while I run, maybe run down the division. Can three guys carry the 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 Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Noah Syndergaard, Otani, and Trout, because they really don't have much else past that. So, can three guys carry a team for 162 games? Um, everyone at home, you can stop and think about that one for a minute. Uh, well, I. Seattle, yeah, Justin, I agree with you. This, the last time I remember see, hearing this much hype about Seattle, uh, they had guys like, oh, Griffey Jr., a very young Alex Rodriguez, Jay Buhner, oh, and uh, some six foot ten monster named Randy Johnson on the mound. They were just absolutely loaded with good talent. Um, and segue from one great left-hander to an emerging one and another, uh, you know, they got they got the reigning AL Cy Young winner they picked up from Toronto in Robbie Ray. And he goes from a division that is nothing but a pitcher's nightmare to a division that's a little more pitcher friendly with some bigger ballparks. Uh, you know, Texas is a big ballpark. Oakland at night is a pitcher's haven because the, the air gets so heavy in Oakland and in Anaheim that the ball doesn't fly as well. So the ball will stay in the ballpark more for him as long as he keeps his command. And, uh, you know, that's my question about Robbie Ray is can his, can he replicate the success he just had in Toronto? Is the pitching, is the pitching coaches and the pitching uh, support in Seattle as good as it is in Toronto? Is Pete Walker is famous for being able to take reclamation projects and turn them into all-stars. He's done it several times. Marco Estrada, Robbie Ray, just two of the big examples of the last few years. But can Robbie Ray replicate that one more time? Uh, they went out, they picked up Adam Fraser for a little veteran insurance. They got Sergio Romo, uh, who Blue Jays fans will remember from his time with us. Uh, but they lost uh, UC Kichikui, who went to Toronto. And they lost their third baseman, Kyle Seeger. And I don't think Seattle's got enough now to maintain the momentum they picked up at the end of last year. Uh, I hate to say it, I think it's still Houston's division to lose. Overall, I don't care how much money Texas spent. You know, they spent over half a billion dollars on three guys and uh, Seeger, Simeon, and pitcher John Gray. So I don't think Texas has enough there to, to totally turn themselves around. Yeah, big strides, big steps. Still Houston's division. They still got enough to, to keep it going there. Oakland. Um, uh, they're as bad as Baltimore with, you know, when their payroll was as the same as it was in 1991 at $33 million. And the sad part is in 91, that was the highest payroll. And now that is... They're downright... still playing Moneyball. <laughs> yeah, they must be. I mean, Brad, 
Brad Pitt must still be pulling, must be running the franchise there. I mean, but... my God. I mean, my God, speaking of movies and everything, like there's Marvel movies that have bigger budgets than the A's payroll. Like, my God, I legit feel <laughs> bad, bad for that team and for, for the fans. Like, act, athletics fans are some of the most loyal, knowledgeable uh, fans in, in the game. And <laughs> pretty much seeing their uh, their beloved franchise pretty much just turn up like this and having the whole, you know, uh, thoughts of like relocation and whatnot happening and everything like it's just terrible so ugh, worst terrible. worst stadium in the league and just now here's a thought if oakland were to move montreal i was gonna say vancouver <laughs> would seattle allow that <laughs> well at, at, actually, I, I think there you go. i think vancouver like how many baseball players come from West coast of Canada and from Vancouver and specifically BC, you know, Montreal had their team taken away. And I, you know, I, I was an Expos fan. So of course I'm very much like on the, bring the Expos back. Montreal's a very, very much shown that they could support a team again, but there's never a conversation about Vancouver. And I know basketball Basketball failed because of different reasons, but you can play baseball the longest out of anywhere in Canada outside anyways, with the, the temperature and the seasons, which is why a lot more baseball players come out of BC because it's just, they have a little more resources and a little more time to play. Oakland's not that, you know, geographically not that far from, Vancouver. Now, of course, they. I don't know if baseball would want both Canadian teams in the same uh, league. So, you know, take that what you will. Uh, but yeah, Oakland in general, having the Raiders be moved out of there to Vegas. I'm sure Oakland to Vegas. You know, Vegas is all in the bandwagon of collecting as many professional franchises as possible now. And I mean, they've, they've shown that they're not a tourist town. They can support multiple teams, but that city's, you know, even the Golden State Warriors, their arena is not in Oakland anymore. So, uh, you know, I talk about having everything moved out of the city. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough time to be an Oakland fan. Very tough time to be no. It's hard to root against them because you know how much they've gone through, but they don't, the people in charge do not help themselves. They kind of remind me of uh, Jeff Loria, who ran the Expos and the Marlins at separate points in time. And the the, the folks who also ran the Vancouver Grizzlies when they played in uh, their early existence, just bad ownership. Like they, they care more about their own pocketbooks. And I will not bring up the name of a, of a recently deceased owner of a hockey team who also had was, char- was, was accused of the exact same thing. Um, baseball's got to look into something there. You know, we, 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 t- we touched on it very early on with the anti-tanking stuff in uh, the, the CBA. These quote-unquote rebuilds in Oakland and Baltimore and in Arizona – 
have been going on way too long. Someone's got to look into that. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, the Jays 2015-2016, like really good runs, not so good in 2017. And, you know, a few years later, look, they're almost made the playoffs last year and they're, you know, charging to make a charge again. And, you know, five years time, that's a, that's, that's how an efficient rebuild, I will say a very efficient rebuild. And it's, it's so tough, you know, talking about parody and all that and, you know, how many teams should be in the playoffs and this team has not been good for, you know, decades potentially, you does a hard salary cap like there's different ideas that people have and you you just have to have owners who care about the product not care about the pockets because you know some some people think to compete against new york and boston you got to throw you know as much money at the wall as you can well you can certainly overspend if you want but that's not going to buy you wins is why the whole money ball idea came about but yeah baseball is its own beast it's not it's not like hockey it's not like basketball you know it's closer to kind of nfl whereas you have some teams that are small market but still can win but yeah luxury you i don't know if there's a full way to to fix it but you have to make it you have to have a competitive office team that want the team to succeed and try everything you can and even in a rebuild you want to be out of the rebuild as fast as possible not like you said you know 20 years it's like oh wow we could make 80 wins this year it's like yeah it's not it's not good that's so oh go ahead i was gonna say it's uh I think we've beaten the AL to to, to sheds to uh, the shreds now. I think it's time we move to the National League. It's, uh, the AL's time. It's now the NL time. Home of the reigning World Series champions. Uh, notice how it's not the World Champions because World Series. Because uh, I'm sure a few past champions might not fare well against the the Korean teams or the Japanese teams that we. You know, I'm still swole daddy of the dinos. They're still my team in, in Asia. <laughs> I think best mascot. And uh, they actually did win the championship. So, you know, we, we picked a winner, that's for sure. Um, let's start in the East, home of the Braves. Uh, now, one big thing to come out of this is the talk that the Mets are the best team in New York. Sorry, you, it still you know, feels weird hearing that. Um. Right? It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very weird thing. Uh, is this a two-horse race between the Braves and the Mets, or are the Mets going to supplant, or are the Phillies going to throw a wrench in that plan? Because uh, the Braves only had 88 wins last year. Um, are, are we going to have a three-team race? Or is this one of those divisions that, you know, it'll, as we get into late August, it's going to be evident that, you know, maybe a team hasn't locked it up yet, but give it a few games and a week into September and we'll know the eventual champion 
of that division. This well, is the two. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, Charles. No worries. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I always find there's parallels with the, at times with the NL East, with the AL Central, where I find it's also a little bit of a cupcake division, a little bit, where normally you just only have um, one team that really has a shot at the division and everyone else is just bottom feeders. Though this year, yeah, I could see it being a little bit more competitive compared to last year. Now, granted, uh, with the Braves, I mean, it was kind of a bit of a shock that they even managed to get the division because they were doing not all that hot until about, you know, towards the tail end of the season. And it also helped that the Mets and Phillies just absolutely bombed the rest of their schedule as well, too. Um, as said, um, with that in mind, uh, I, 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 you know, definitely, you know, the Braves, you know, coming back from uh, being the, the champs from last year, you know, they're definitely in contention for it. The Mets, as much as it still is, as much as it still surprises me to think that, yeah, they actually have a shot, they do actually have a shot with the fact of, you know, grabbing like Mad Max, uh, Max Scherzer and uh, Bass and whatnot. So, and with it, with them alongside with uh, Jacob Degrom, I mean, they got a good wicked one, two, three punch. Uh, Degrom is shut down for four weeks, though. Hmm? Degrom got shut down for the next month, and that's where I go. LOL, Mets, right there. <laughs> but yes, you're right. That's true. So that does throw a wrench in them for right now. So yeah, that though. Um, with that all in mind, uh, you know, I also would uh, kind of keep an eye on the Phillies as well with the fact that, uh, you know, with the likes of Bryce Harper and of course, uh, Nick Castellanos and, uh, Schwarber in the mix and everything like they'll, they'll, they'll be in uh, contention. I, I, for the division as well, I would argue. Oh, I'm going to agree to disagree slightly on Philly because all they have is that they're one through four in the batting order of Schwarber, Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, and Castellanos. After that, they it, it, it's like it just papers off. They don't have an ace. They, most of their pitching staff would be number three on most contending, like it would be a number three or number four starter on most contending teams. Like if, if you took Alex Manoa from the Blue Jays, he'd be become instantly the Phillies' best pitcher. Instantly. Wouldn't even be close. Uh, so Philly's going to have to hit their way. There's, I don't know how people, how many people who listen here are into the advanced statistics. I'm not really. Uh, the eye test is still the best one, but a lot of people are saying Philly could be a playoff team and actually have be the first team to have like a negative run differential and still be a playoff team um, and have all those wins above replacement and actually be a negative wins above, wins above replacement and still be a playoff team. Uh, just because of their offense. Um, I would have said the Mets would have, could challenge the Atlanta, but like you said, Paul, LOL Mets. It's per, it, it's figures. They, they go out, they get Francisco Lindor, they get Mad Max to team up with DeGrom to become probably the most one of the most formidable one-two punches in baseball, and then DeGrom gets hurt. Go figure. Um, but Taewon Walker, Carlos Carrasco can still be – serviceable enough to get them through. Uh, it's, I think it's still the Braves division to lose. Yes, they lost Freddie Freeman, but they went on and got Matt, Matt Olson. And part of that huge sell-off from Oakland. 
Um, they've got Max Fried and Troy Morton leading the pitching staff. Uh, they're going to get Ronald Acuna back in early May, roughly. Early, mid-May is right now is what they're saying, unless he has any other setbacks. And that just lengthens the lineup up because he didn't really play at all last year with, with, with that ACL injury. He was gone most of the year. And they still won the World Series without him. So add him back into the lineup. And I still think the Braves are the team to beat. Yeah. Even though they did win it with 88 games last year, I think it's still going to be maybe a close-ish one. Like, it won't be, like, blown out. But I think it is Atlanta's division to lose, 100%. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of a fight. um, And it's going to come down to who, who can stay healthier the longest is mm. gonna, yes. you know, you, you know, Mets are gonna Mets, but do they just met until middle of May and then no significant injury for the rest of the year? That if you get your injuries out of the way early on in the season, I mean, that can set you up for failure the rest of the year, but you know, <laughs> that can also be, you know, avoid the late season injury where you need that push at the end. If you get it out of the way, quote unquote, does that help you into August and September? Uh, maybe the Mets are going to try something different. Who knows? And, uh, you know, Miami is imploding. So. When Derek Jeter walks away from your franchise, you got a problem. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll finish last in that uh, division there. The Central, where... Uh, probably one of the most impactful players in, you know, since the year 2000 and this new millennium uh, has come home for one final season. Uh, Do the Cardinals have a shot at potentially adding another ring and uh, giving one more kick at the can for Pujols? There's only one team in their in their division they, that will stand in their way from a playoff berth, and that's Milwaukee. The Cubs are in full rebuild. The Pirates are the Pirates. Well, the Pirates. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to think of an appropriate name, you know, a, a nice adjective, but yeah, you're walking the plank always. Cincinnati is the NL version of Oakland. Uh, so really, those three teams are not going to be in the mix from day one, and I think their fans know it. It is a two-horse race. Uh, St. Louis is led by three, the pretty much the three guys still the team from the last time they won it, and Wainwright, Yadier Merlina, who seems to never age. I don't know how, and Albert Pujols. Um, so will they technically have one last kick at the can? Yes. There is, sad to say, no way in hell they get by either the Dodgers or the Giants in a playoff series. So, yes, will they make the playoffs? Probably in the National League. If they run into the Dodgers or Giants, uh, kind of like how um, Daryl Sutter said in Calgary the, the other week, uh, saying anyone who had to face Colorado, that's a waste of eight days. It'll be a waste of about five or six playing the Dodgers or Giants round one of the playoffs. Yeah, not to mention Tatis Jr. is out for a few months, so the Pirates will definitely be the Pirates. 
but 100 percent he's playing San Diego. Yeah, he plays in San Diego, not the Pirates. Oh yeah, he does. Ha. <laughs> Ron P. Um, but yeah, there's no way the Cardinals will get past anyone else in that division afterwards. They'll make the playoffs probably, but you won't get too far. I mean, Milwaukee still has questions too. I mean, uh, Christian Yelich needs to return to his near MVP form that he had a couple years ago. Uh, they're banking a lot on Andrew McCutcheon finding his youth again. Um, you know, they got Rowdy Tellez and Hunter Renfro and Lorenzo Kane, who are solid power hitters, and they can definitely provide some protection. But they're they're going to rely on a six-man rotation. It, it looks like they're going to go six-man to start the year uh, as, as starters are not fully lengthened out yet because of a short spring training. And, you know, they got Brandon Woodruff and they got Corbin Burns, two top-end pitchers. Uh, but is Josh Hader still an elite closure? Can he still get the job done? Uh so St. Louis could sneak by and actually take a division here. They, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but that's where the, the Cinderella story stops for them. Yeah, talk about someone who had a lot of years wasted in Pittsburgh with McCutcheon. And oh God, I feel horrible for that guy. Uh, he, you know, he he bled Pittsburgh to the core. He he was the utmost professional and wanting to succeed there and it just they they couldn't build the team around them and they had McCutcheon they had Russell Martin they, yeah. like, they, they had, they had four, three or four great pieces on that team they just kind of put it all together and now they're back in the bottom so <laughs> and uh, we for, all for one all for one wild card game win too. Right. <laughs> yeah. We head to the West uh, where it seems to be a two horse race uh, uh, between the giants and the Dodgers. Uh, like you said, the Padres are, are looking up, but uh, without Tatis, I don't know if they can make a, a splash. I think they need him in the lineup. Talk about another city that's, you know, had the soul sucked out of it is San Diego and uh, having their football team taken away. And, you know, they've, did they, they got a new ballpark, right? Or am I, am I dreaming that? Were they getting a new ballpark? I think they're working on a new one. Yeah. Uh, No, Petco's about, under tw- 20 years old. Oh, Peck was only like 10, 10 to, 10 to 15 at most. They're well, working that, on a new one. That was the Ooh. issue with the Chargers was they, they weren't going to get a new stadium. So I just don't want that ha- to happen and have no teams in San Diego because that's no bueno. Now, the NL West Yes, the division title is a two-horse race. There's no way. There's no way the San Diego can keep up with the almighty Dodgers and the almighty Giants. And like I said about the, the Yankees and Blue Jays for 19 games, 19 games of the Dodgers and Giants after last year's regular season and that playoff matchup. Hell, freaking yes, yes, guys and gals, yes. 
Like, as long as it doesn't have the same ending as, uh, as long as it doesn't have the same ending as their, as their, uh, divisional series. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm definitely okay with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll buy, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. But just 19 games of it, like, Oh, please baby. Yes. That's like just salivating at the mouth. Um, but the Padres, something tells me, I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe I'm a little nostalgic. Maybe uh, it's some of the uh, the bloodline players they have there. Uh, don't count them out of a wild card spot. If they can stay in the hunt long enough to get Tatis back, and uh, I think he's back around the All Star break, if they can still be in the hunt come All Star break, you might see them make a playoff spot because there's a lot of other teams in the NL that aren't. Too much has to go right for them to actually be a playoff team. So just even staying around 500 could be just enough for them. But I would agree. Obviously, the big talk is Dodgers, Giants, yeah. and can those teams replicate 105 wins from a year ago? Both of them. It's possible with how stacked they are. Well, I mean, Very LA's got possible. the sexy names. LA's got the sexy names on the offense. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, uh, Jock Peterson. Uh, no, not Jock Peterson. Sorry, Cody, Cody Bellinger is still there. Uh, they got Will Smith, and if that fails, he can go slap somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know different Will Smith, everybody, but I could not. That just could not be resisted. Uh, that's probably, and yes, I'm a Jays fan, but you know, going Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Max Muncie, Will Smith. Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger might be the deepest one through seven in all of baseball and as a lineup. Most teams like the Jays can go one through six, no problem. The Yankees, one through six, no problem. It's that seventh spot to, to, to kick off, you know, getting towards the top of the order again. I think the Dodgers have the best one through seven. Uh, the Giants don't have sexy names. Evan Longoria is on the shelf to start the season. Um who else? Oh, they're missing one other guy. Who? Um, well, Monte Wade. That's who else. So they're missing two of their big, two of their better players to start the season, but that won't be gone too long. I think they're both back mid-May at the latest. But they went out and got Carlos Ron, uh, Rodon as a free agent. So they, they bumped up the pitching staff that already had Alex Wood, uh, Logan Webb. So their pitching can go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers. I, I don't even know if I call a division winner there. I think that's just going to that, that will again will come down to that last week of the season and may the best team win. No kidding, indeed. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a tourist race against them. I somehow I give a bit of a slight edge to the Dodgers. I think they'll have. Uh, I think they'll be wanting uh, some revenge for uh, for losing the division last year. So, but yeah, no, with <laughs> their lineup and with the Giants, I mean, as as said. Any uh, any series that they're going to be having against each other throughout the regular season, it's just going to be primetime TV. <laughs> well, the Dodgers also have pitching questions past their top three. I mean, you can even say Kershaw is a bit of a question mark. Is he still going to be Clayton Kershaw? But after Bueller, Kershaw, and uh, Julio uh, Urias, a bit of a question mark there for them. So the Dodgers may have lost the division, but they got the last laugh in the playoffs. So, yeah. like I said, I mean, if I, if I could have, you know, a whole season's worth of Dodgers, Giants, and Yankees, Blue Jays, I'd be a, I'd be a very happy man. 
I, I think you're right with um, uh, that uh, San Diego can get a wild card position because there are a lot of teams that are weaker and that they can kind of get in there. And it's good for the league because they need th- these high profile athletes to make it to the playoffs. I think that's only going to benefit baseball and the league in total. So mm-hmm. Petco is actually opened in 2004. So oh, it's creeping up to wow, that's 20 what I thought years. it was. Uh, nothing really on a new stadium. Their naming rights are till 27. Uh, they have agreements to host different bowl games and such there. So, but there is, you know, talk that maybe San Diego goes to Vegas eventually. Um, the, the, that's what the rumors are saying with their partnerships with casinos and all that. So who knows? Um, but I think at this point you can toss coin between the Giants and the Dodgers. I think people are putting the Dodgers over the Giants because um, uh, that's a lot of people's World Series pick, which we'll, uh, we'll do in a short bit. Um, but, yeah, I think it can go either way. The, the, the different series between the two teams, that's going to be the difference between who wins the division and who goes as a wild card. Hard to argue that one. You know, so we just we, we didn't even talk about Arizona and Colorado in that, in that division. <laughs> we didn't even mention them. Are they in that division? Oh. Are we sure? Are, are they? Oh, no, no, no. Not that they're going to do anything, but we didn't even we didn't even talk about anything that they might like. You know, we didn't even mention the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. Like, you, you look at it, you know, Miami, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks. And the Rockies. That's six out of fifteen, and that's another forty percent of the National League that you can almost write off on opening day. We're still forty-eight hours from opening day, and we we can, unless miracles happen, like angels in the outfield level miracles happening, or even major right league. Off 40, <laughs> sorry, what was that, Paul? I was going to say, or even major league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Um. But you can write off 40% of the National League from the playoff spot. Is that sad? Is that just ridiculously sad? That the state, you know, the state of baseball, you know, yeah, the American League, Baltimore, um, Cleveland and Kansas City are three write-offs. That's only 20%. The AL West is kind of wide open, given that the Houston Astros lost George Springer two years ago and Carlos, well, last season, and uh, Carlos Correa in this one. But they still have enough to get it done. But they're not the overwhelming favorites that they were for three, four years in a row there. But just the NL. Oof. It's, yeah, it's. Oof. It's a, I mean, it's already a long season with 162 games, but it's uh, it's it's going to be an interesting one. So let's talk World Series. What are our way too early World <laughs> Series predictions? 
uh, for this year? Well, um, I will take the easy way out, and I have the Blue Jays going from the American League. And call me a homer if you want, but hard to bet against the Blue Jays, especially after what they started showing last year, and they really didn't get any worse. They only got better. And I am going to go against the conventional thinking, and I have the San Francisco Giants beating the Blue Jays in the World Series to be a true cross-continent matchup. Good choice. Mm-hmm. And funny, and funny when you think about it in the history books and everything, because I remember reading up at one point the Giants were, spo- were going to be moving to Toronto yes. at one point back in the seventies before the Blue Jays were even a thought. So kind of, kind of funny when, when you think of it, making that choice. <laughs> uh, for me personally, I'm kind of going with the going with the uh, preaching with the choir here a little bit with seeing uh, Blue Jays coming out of the AL and. To me, I'm still going with the Dodgers still coming out of the NO. So that's who I'm thinking are going to be meeting in the in the fall classic. I think I'm going to have to go with Paul on that one. Blue Jays, I mean a homer, but uh, I think the Dodgers, I think that's going to be a class matchup. And with that, I mean, it could go either way. My hope's obviously Jays, but you never know. I'm going to third that. The percentages wow. don't lie. And uh, based off of everything that I've seen, uh, biggest percentage is the Dodgers. Second biggest percentage to make the World Series are the Blue Jays. Uh, so that's where I'm going. Um, but uh, if someone else from the NL wants to make the World Series, then that'd be cool too. Like, uh always been a kind of fan of the brewers uh i like like what they do they're plucky um no uh, the mets make it to the nl uh championship uh i think that might be a surprise and make people ponder what's going on and you know i think there's a large crowd that wants a another subway series in the world series um does baseball need something like that to reinvigorate? Uh, does baseball need a, a World Series that will capture a country like Canada and uh, a, a team that will garner a lot of fans? You know, maybe it's good. Dodgers, Blue Jays, that's Dodgers have been hot. The, the champions two years ago, uh, a lot of popular players. And then you get a whole country to back Toronto uh, even the people that don't like cheering for Toronto it's it's hard to cheer when they're the only team in your country so uh, you know does baseball need something like that I don't think it would hurt it 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 needs a maybe a Cinderella story as well to, to capture new fans but uh, how about, who knows <laughs> how about a rematch 30 years in the making Atlanta, Toronto. Atlanta, Toronto, 30th anniversary. That, I mean, how many grainy, non-high-definition replays would we have of that 92 World Series? And uh, a new generation would know who Joe Carter is because I feel like there's a generation now that does not know who that is, which is scary to say. Um, 
final thoughts going into opening day. Are, are we just excited that the season's starting? Are we grateful that the season's starting just a week behind? Uh, what, what are our final thoughts uh, heading into opening day? Well, I'd say definitely for me, just still amazed again that season's actually happening and glad that it is happening. And I know I already got my tickets for April 8th when uh, Texas comes into town and we'll definitely be in line for that George Springer bobblehead. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm thrilled. Definitely, definitely thrilled. I'm super excited. Just amazed that we're only uh, a week behind schedule, but I mean, let's go. I'm excited. Countdown's on. I will make it a trifecta and just thankful we even have a, we're even going to get a full season in the first place when it didn't look like uh, it was going to happen at all at one point. Uh, you know, I started having fears of NHL 405 season long lockout. I, it was in the back of my mind there. So just a season, but final thoughts beyond that, bring on the rivalries. There is going to be so much good baseball this year. Good rivalries amped up another level. AL West is going to be great. AL, AL Beast is going to be just must-see TV almost every night. The NL West and the NL East have got it. Like four out of the six divisions are going to be fun to watch. Uh, God, I just cannot wait for the season to go. Next 48 hours can't go fast enough. I, I, yeah, I, I quadruple everything after 2020 and the debacle and how baseball was the last league to, to return or make a plan to return and the lockout this year. I, I just think they, they need good vibes. They need good juju. Uh, you know, Toronto looking like they could be contenders for a world series, having an entire country pay attention to your sport can only benefit the league, uh, growing the game, getting kids out there, buying jerseys, uh, having your star players return, be able to celebrate. Uh, we'll see how some of these new rules, how the fans take to it. Uh, you know, see how many purists are angry or how many blog posts we see. But I think at the end of the day, having baseball back is the most important and just being able to watch. It's one of those games where you watch it and you go, Hey, I want to play baseball. And then it takes you a week to organize a game because you need a lot of people. Uh, but uh, I think it's only encouraging to to sign up for uh, a fun league to play, play softball, baseball. So, And it just means that spring and summer has arrived and ultimate limited hours of sunlight is here. Um, so thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining us. And uh, thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoy opening day. Uh, hopefully you are, if you're in the vicinity and feel safe, go to a game, uh, whether in America or in Toronto. And, uh, you know, hopefully we have a long, long season and we'll uh, provide updates and see how right or wrong we are at the end of the season. 
Uh, Charles, Cole, and Paul, thank you again for joining us. And, uh, you know, why not end with an OK Blue Jays, let's play ball. OK Blue Jays. Let's play ball. And I was totally wrong. It was the ninth, not the eighth that I'm going to. But either way, let's play ball indeed. <laughs> let's play ball. Stay safe. Go see a game and sport on.